listening to the Retro Sermons podcast. Find out more at northcolumbuschristians.com slash retro sermons. study brought to you by the Bernie Points Church of Christ. Your speaker will be Charles Maples, evangelist of that church. Now here is Mr. Maples. Thank you, sir, and a very pleasant good morning, neighbors and friends. I'm happy indeed that through the good providence of God, we have this another opportunity of studying a portion of his word together by means of radio. I'm glad that you've tuned in, and I sincerely hope that we'll be profited as we study together. I want to study with you this morning the subject of the one baptism. In Ephesians chapter 4, beginning with verse 1, we read on our broadcast last Lord's Day relative to the unity of this great salvation, where Paul says that there is one God, there is one Lord, there is one Spirit, there is one hope, there is one body. There's one faith and that there's one baptism. And that's the subject that I want to study with you this morning, but before we do, may I call your attention to these announcements. We extend to you a very cordial invitation to be with us in our assemblies today. Our meeting house is at 720 17th Place Southwest, just off of Pearson Avenue in the Bernie Points area, West End. We meet at 10 o'clock and 11 this morning and at 6 o'clock this evening. We meet for Bible study at midweek on Wednesday evenings at 7.30. We extend to one and all a very cordial, warm invitation to come and be with us in any or all of our assemblies. We urge you to come with an open heart and with an open Bible to investigate the things which you see and hear and feel free not only in our assemblies, but relative to this broadcast, to call our attention to anything that you feel is out of harmony with the Word of God. 
This word of God must be our guide in this life because it's going to be the standard of our judgment in the world that is to come. So we want to know the truth and teach the truth and live by the truth in every phase of our lives in order to be pleasing to him when we stand before the great judge and this book is open and we're judged out of the things written in the book. As we call your attention, in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 4, Paul says there is one baptism. One of the fundamental differences between us and most religious groups is our attitude toward baptism. And so we have many questions posed from time to time about baptism. Peter says in 1 Peter 3 and verse 15, Be ready always to give answer to every man who asks the reason of the hope that's in you, that with meekness and fear. And so when a person asks, well, uh, why do you place so much emphasis on baptism? Uh, quite often people will say, well, now, baptism doesn't save you and and, and after all, then, why should there be so much importance in baptism? Various and sundry questions that are posed about it, I think we can answer as we turn to the Scriptures and see what's taught in the Word of God about this one baptism. You believe that there's one God, I'm satisfied, and only one God. You believe that there's only one Lord, Jesus Christ, that there's only one Holy Spirit, well, that same Bible says that there is one baptism. In 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 5, Paul acknowledges that there are those that are called gods, many. Though there be that are called gods, many, he says, whether in heaven or on earth, as there are gods many and lords many, yet to us there is one God. Well, that's the way we feel about baptism. Because, among other things, among other passages, this passage says that there's only as many baptisms as there is gods, and that there is only one God, and that there is only one baptism. Now, there have been other baptisms we read about in the Scriptures, there was John's baptism that's referred to as such in Acts chapter 19 and verse 3. But now that baptism ceased. There were some people right there at Ephesus who had been baptized of John's baptism, and they were re-baptized, baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, because they had been baptized of John's baptism after it was no longer valid. So there was a baptism that you can read about in the scriptures that's no more, no longer valid. There, of course, was the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, or John says in Matthew chapter 3, that he was baptizing with water, but the one coming after him who was mightier than he would baptize with the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost and with fire. In Acts chapter 2, first few verses, we see a fulfillment of this baptism of the Holy Spirit. Jesus had told his apostles in Acts chapter 1, verse 5, that they would be baptized of the Holy Spirit not many days hence. Well, it wasn't many days until they were baptized of the Holy Spirit. And this, of course, had been administered by God and not by men. 
when Jesus tells men to go preach the gospel and baptize folks, that couldn't be the Holy Spirit baptism because the Holy Spirit baptism was administered by God and not by me. But Holy Spirit baptism was uh, for a special purpose. It was on the apostles and the apostles only. They, of course, were empowered to pass on spiritual gifts to others by the laying on their hands, but they could not administer Holy Spirit baptism. But that's a, that's a big subject within itself. But that was a baptism that you can read about in the in the scriptures. And then, of course, we know it there, Matthew three and verse eleven. There is going to be another baptism. Now, I know many of our religious neighbors differ with us not only on the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but also on this baptism of fire. And some claim that they've had this baptism of fire that there is spoken of in in Matthew three. Well, I think the setting, if you'll just read another verse too will show you what, uh, give you some insight at least into what this baptism of fire was going to be. He says his fan is in his hand. He will thoroughly purge his force. He will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. In Revelation 21 and verse 8, John says that the second death is a lake that burns with fire and brimstone. That's that baptism of fire. It's yet in the future. And surely no man wants that baptism. Well, there is then this one baptism. At the time the Apostle Paul wrote Ephesians chapter 4, Holy Spirit baptism was no longer being administered. John's baptism was no longer valid. Fire baptism has not yet come. And so he says there's one baptism. Well, what is this one baptism? Well, of course, there are a number of things about this baptism, but let me simply say here, it was a baptism of water. Uh, John was saying, I baptize you with water, and of course John's baptism was in water. But this one baptism that Paul refers to in Ephesians 4 was also water baptism, but more about that in just a little bit. Uh, let's note a number of things about this one baptism that are just basic and fundamental. And again, if you have questions or comments about it, I'd be delighted to hear from you. But to me, it's a simple subject. I think the, the, the clergy, so-called, has made it confusing, and many varying doctrines have been uh, conjured up by men, while the New Testament scriptures, I believe, plainly and simply and clearly said it before us. In the first place, preaching of the gospel was to precede this one baptism. Jesus said in Mark 16, 15, Go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. Now note, as we mentioned earlier, this could not be Holy Spirit baptism because the apostles, men, were to administer this baptism. Matthew's record of this great commission says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them into the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the earth. So teaching is to precede this one baptism. Then second, faith. Faith in Jesus as the Christ is a prerequisite to this baptism. Among other things, good neighbor, this eliminates uh, infants being subject to this baptism. 
They can't have faith. They take a little squirming infant, eight days old or thereabouts, and they sprinkle some water on them. <coughs> they call this baptism. But more about that, the act of baptism later, but they are not subjects of baptism. One who is subject to this one baptism must have faith, as we noted in Mark 16. And verse 16, he says, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. In Acts chapter 8, we read of a man who wanted to be baptized. The eunuch, Philip, was riding along in the chariot. They came to a certain water. And the, the eunuch said, See, here's water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And of course, he said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He made a confession of his faith in Christ, and that as a prerequisite to baptism. Both of these points eliminate the infant. He can't have faith, and if he had faith, he couldn't confess it with the mouth. Uh, at least most of them at the time that they are uh, so-called baptized. But then in the third place, this one baptism must be preceded by repentance. If a person is not willing to repent, indeed if they do not repent, if they do not make up their mind to change the way that they're going to live, and of course uh, repentance is basically and fundamentally a change of mind. Paul says, Godly sorrow worketh repentance. One who, who by godly sorrow is brought to change his mind about the way he's going to live, then this is repentance. And in Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, those people had asked, being convinced now that Jesus, whom they had killed, was the Christ, they were pricked in their hearts, and they cried out, Men and brethren, what shall we do? And the Apostle Peter said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. Ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Repent and be baptized. In Luke 13, 3, Jesus said, I tell you nay, but except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. In Acts chapter 17, the Apostle Paul, preaching to those people on Mars Hill, said that God commandeth that all men everywhere repent. So this one baptism must be preceded by faith. It must be preceded by repentance. Otherwise, it's no good. Now, when people talk about water salvation, they imply that we think, sometimes they do, some people do, that you can just immerse a person in water and that's all. No, no, that isn't all there is to it. Unless it's preceded by genuine faith in Jesus as the Christ, by genuine repentance of our sins, then it's no good. This one baptism must be preceded by teaching in order to have faith, which is essential, and which motivates one to repent of his sins. But now, this one baptism is, as we've already suggested, a baptism in water. In Acts chapter 10, verse 47, Can any man forbid water that these should be baptized? In Acts chapter 8, they came to a certain water. And he said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? They stopped the chariot. They both went down into the water. And Philip baptized the eunuch. Acts chapter 8, verse 36 begins. 
So it's a baptism of water, not a baptism of the Holy Spirit, not a baptism of fire, just one baptism. That was enforced when the Apostle Paul made the statement, there is one baptism. It is a baptism of water. But there's another thing about this. And here again, we differ with many of our religious neighbors. This one baptism is a burial in water. Sometimes folks talk about the mode of baptism. Well, the word baptism was not really translated from the Greek It's simply an anglicized word, baptizo, which means to bury or to plunge or to submerge. And uh, this alone would be adequate for us to see that sprinkling and pouring is not the one baptism. You could have the other things there. You could have the teaching. You could have uh, at least some, some essence of faith. Uh, some indication of repentance, but if it isn't a burial in water, then it isn't the one baptism. The very act itself is not in harmony with the teaching of the Scriptures. In Colossians chapter 2 and verse 12, those people, Paul said, had been buried with their Lord by baptism. In Romans chapter 6, and that sixth chapter of Romans in a very beautiful way, uh, identifies, stipulates several things about the new birth. But note he says, and, and incidentally, the Apostle Paul includes himself here. He says, are you ignorant that all we who were baptized, this is Romans chapter three and verse uh, 6 and verse 3, all we who were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death, We were buried, therefore, with him through baptism in the day. We were buried. You remember reading about Paul's or Saul's conversion, Saul of Tarsus, who became the Apostle Paul? And many folks will insist that he was saved on the road to Damascus, which you read about there in Acts chapter 9. But, of course, three days later, Ananias came to him, and he was still praying and fasting, and he was still in his sins uh, three days after his experience on the road. Because in Acts twenty two sixteen he was told to arise and be baptized and wash away his sins, calling on the name of the Lord. But now, he includes himself here when he says, we were, <coughs> excuse me, buried, therefore, with him, that is, with Christ, through baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. The new life follows, begins at, actually, baptism. This one baptism is a burial in water. And uh, this one baptism is the beginning point, uh, of course, I guess you could say the beginning point is, is teaching, and then faith, and then repentance, and then Uh, baptism, but baptism is the culminating act that brings one into this new relationship. And more about that in just a minute. But another thing that I wanted to call your attention to that's mentioned in Acts 2, verse 38, and that is that this one baptism, someone wants to know, well, what's the purpose of baptism after all? Uh, And quite often they'll add that statement, baptism doesn't save you. What's the purpose of it? Well, the purpose of baptism just like the act of baptism, 
is clearly identified in the scriptures. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, those people were told to repent and be baptized. Every one of you, he says, for the remission of sins. Now, in other translations, such as the American Standard Translation, the term unto the remission of sin. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, unto, in the name of Jesus Christ, unto the remission of sins. But someone says, now, the word for there in the King James translation means because of. And it's because your sins have been forgiven that you are to be baptized. And so they say, now, this is in perfect harmony with our teaching that uh, it's the saved person that is to be baptized, already saved by faith, maybe by faith only. And then you should be baptized. Well, that's not the one baptism. The one baptism mentioned in Ephesians 4 is a baptism unto the remission of sins. Now, you wouldn't have to know one Greek word from another in order to see that this is so. Let me call your attention to a passage, and I urge you to get your own Bible and look it up for yourself. In the King James Translation, American Standard Translation, or whatever you want to, in Matthew chapter 26, Jesus was instituting the Lord's Supper. And when he took the fruit of the vine, in verse 28, he had told them in verse 27 to drink of it, all of them to drink of it. And he said, This is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed... Now notice it, for the remission of sins. Matthew 26, 28. You have an identical phrase, for remission of sins, in Matthew 26, 28, as you have in Acts 2, 38. Now, do you believe that Jesus was saying that they should, uh, that, that his blood was shed because sins were already remitted? You know that he was saying his blood would be shed in order for sins to be remitted. Why, that's obvious to anybody. Well, the very same phrase is used next to verse 38. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This one baptism, good neighbor, is essential to the remission of sins. Some people will even acknowledge that baptism is a command, is a New Testament command, but they say it's non-essential. Well, how could that be so? Since it is unto or for the remission of sins. You can't have remission of sins without baptism, according to these passages. But let me call your attention to some other passages. This one baptism puts one into Jesus Christ. In Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3, we're told that every spiritual blessing is in Christ. In verse 7 of Ephesians 1, he says, In whom, that is, in Christ, we have remission, redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. We have redemption through his blood when we are in Christ Jesus. Well, how does one get into Christ? In Galatians chapter 3 and verse 26 beginning, he says, For you are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. Then note verse 27. 
For so many of you as were baptized into Jesus Christ did put on Christ. Let me challenge you to do this, good neighbor. If you know of another passage of Scripture anywhere that tells you how to get into Christ other than baptism, I wish you'd send it to me. I'd be delighted to know where it is. I don't know of but two passages of Scripture that tell us how one is to get into Christ. And both of them say we're baptized into Christ. Let me read to you again now from Romans chapter 6. Verse 3 beginning, Are ye ignorant that all we who were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Baptism, this one baptism, puts one into Jesus Christ, where you have redemption through his blood, where you have remission of sins, where you have every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. I stand amazed and wonder how in the world a person could make fun of baptism when here in these verses it portrays the death and the burial and the resurrection of the Son of God, Romans 6, verse 1 through 4, and that it we're told that we're baptized into his death. You know, we're saved by the blood of Christ. We're told in uh, 1 Peter 1, verse 18, and Revelation 1, verse 5, and other passages, by the blood of Christ. We are we have our sins atoned for in the blood of Christ, and thus making our, our sin, our remission of our sins possible by the sacrifice of Christ on the cross. But now how does one obtain the benefits of this death of Christ? Well, he says we're baptized into his death. You know, 1 Peter 3 and verse 21 is a flat contradiction to a statement that you oftentimes hear. People say, well now, baptism don't say. Well, Peter says it does. 1 Peter 3 and verse 21, he says, A like figure whereunto baptism doth also now save us. Not to put in the well the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God. Uh, people who make fun of baptism, We'll say baptism doesn't save you. I've heard preachers actually make fun at this requirement of the testament of Christ. I remember hearing a fellow on the radio uh, up in North Alabama not too long ago uh, chiding those who believe that baptism is essential and saying, now I'll go the blood route. I won't go the water route. I'm not a water boy. Well, were the apostles water boys? In their teachings here, they required baptism. This one baptism. Oh, they taught about the blood of Christ and how that uh, those people in First Peter 1 were told by Peter that they had purified their soul by their obedience to the truth. And, and verse 22, and yet he had said in verse 18 that they were uh, purged by the blood of Christ. Not by silver and gold and things of this kind, but by the precious blood of Christ. But he said that they, their hearts were purified when they obeyed the truth, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God. But now what did they do? Well, they believed that Jesus was the Christ, they repented of their sins, they confessed their faith, and they were baptized in obedience to the Lord's command. And if he, in Hebrews chapter 5, verses 8 and 9, Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience to the things which he suffered. 
and being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation to all them that obey him. Well, one of the things that you must obey as an alien sinner is baptism. He says, repent and be baptized. He says, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He says that you're baptized into Jesus Christ, that you, uh, where you have redemption through his blood. Jesus had told Nicodemus in John chapter 3 that a man must be born again, that he must be born of water and of the Spirit. Water has a part in this new birth. Now, it doesn't uh, uh, cleanse a man's sins by the washing of the filth of his body. It does, however, as Peter says there in 1 Peter 3.21, bring the answer of a good conscience toward God. And this good conscience toward God comes when one has done what the Lord requires. There is indeed, good neighbor, the one baptism. It's immersion in water of a believer, one who believes in Christ, one who will repent of his sins and who will confess his faith in Christ. He thus is born of water and of the Spirit. He's baptized into Christ, where he has every spiritual blessing, even the forgiveness of sins. He's raised to walk in newness of life from baptism. Romans 6 and verses 3 and 4. May I ask you, good neighbor, have you submitted to this one baptism? You believe, as Paul says there in Ephesians chapter 4, that there's one God, that there's one Lord, that there's one Spirit, and that there's one hope. Do you believe indeed that there is one baptism? This baptism that we've been talking about and cited these scriptures to show what it is and what its purpose is. I urge you to submit to it. Believing that Jesus is the Christ, repent of your sins, confess your faith, and be baptized for the remission of your sins, baptized into Christ, into his death, raised to walk in newness of life. And if we can be of assistance to you in doing that, then we'd be delighted to hear from you. But I see that our time is gone. Until next Lord's Day morning, we give you back to your announcer and bid you a very pleasant good day. study of the scriptures was presented by the Bernie Points Church of Christ. If you should have questions or comments concerning these matters,